There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service podcast, I interview real life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Welcome back to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Thank you for joining me here on another episode. Please, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you could leave a five-star review, wherever you listen to your podcast, that would be fantastic. Or if you're following along on social, on YouTube or LinkedIn, you name it. If you can like, comment or share, that goes a long way. And it's always greatly appreciated as well. Today, I welcome Adam Letizio. He is the Senior Vice President of Food Service, K-12, and Non-Foods for AJ Letizio Sales and Marketing. We talk about his journey as a food service broker, how he got into the business, working with family. His family had started the company back in 1912, which later evolved in 1988 into a uh, actually a retail broker, which then became a food service broker as well. And his journey along the way, tips and tricks he's picked up. And I think it's a really fun conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So let's not waste any time and let's jump right into it. All right, Adam, welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. I've been looking forward to this one, man. And I'm glad you took time out of your week to meet with me and come on and do this episode. Thanks very much, Nick. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it too. I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of it. All right, very good. Well, what I usually like to do with the, everyone that comes on to the show is kind of set up kind of like a baseline, a background of how did you get into the food service industry? So um, I have a, a story that I think is similar and different. You know, each of our stories of how we got into yeah. this business are, are their own path. Um, and yet the thing we all seem to have in common, and I've heard you talk to some of your other guests about this too, is... Um, the food service, uh, the food business in general, and especially food service, is one of those things that um, once it's in your blood, you can't escape from it, no matter how hard you try. So, I did try, um, not deliberately, but uh, but I ended up back here, as you see. So, um, but my my story is interesting. So, my family's business, uh, we've been in the industry for uh, over a hundred years. My family started out in the food industry in 1912. And um, so every step of the way since then, um, each generation has been involved in, in, the, in the industry in some way. Um, our business, the, the brokerage, started in 1988. So um, I'm a part of the second generation of my family in this business and uh, the fifth generation of our family in the industry in this area. So when I was growing up, I actually worked for the company uh, for about eight years, all through high school and college. I loved it. It was kind of like breathing, you know, it was easy to forget that you were involved in something that was a little bit different than uh, a normal, a normal um, business up and down the street. But um, I grew up around food and food people and going to food shows as a kid and uh, working on marketing things in our in our company here. And um, I loved it, loved what I did. But um, in my mind, what I always wanted to do since I was little was uh, I wanted to join the Navy and, and fly in the Navy. Wow. And um, I was encouraged by my my family to do that. My parents were really supportive of it. There was never a discussion of this is our business. This is what you're going to do. Um, they just supported me and my my goals and my dreams. And um, so when the time came, I I kind of left the nest and uh, traveled around the country and the world. And and um, you know I achieved my goals with the support of my family. And um, at that time, that was when my my wife and I got married and we had kids and. 
loved it. I was in the Navy for about 10 years. And um, I realized while I was doing that, and I, I had such a great experience, I learned a ton. Um, I got to travel the world. I got to learn not, not only about flying airplanes. I mean, you can teach a monkey to fly airplanes and probably better than me. But, uh, but what I really learned a lot about was, was first how to be a part of a small team and then a larger team, and then how to lead those teams as I got more experienced and more senior. Um, and the problems and complexities of being a part of a team, whether you're on an airplane or whether you're in a factory or whether you're building houses or whether you're selling cases of, uh, of food products, they're all the same problems and they're all the same challenges. So, you know, I had a, I had a great opportunity to, to learn and do that. But as I progressed through that, what I realized was um, geez, I'm not sure this is what I see myself doing for the rest of my life. I love it, but I kind of had reached the level of the goal that I had in my mind. And I didn't have, I hadn't imagined anything beyond where I had gotten to. So my wife and I started thinking about what are we going to do uh, with ourselves? Uh, where, where do we want to live? What do we want to do? Do I want to go be an airline pilot? Do I want to stay in the Navy for a long time? Or do I want to do something else? And um, around that same time, my predecessor, um, was getting ready to retire the gentleman who was running the food service side of our business here and um so i think i was home for christmas and uh, my my parents and my wife and i were just kind of sitting around talking and i think the idea kind of came about all at once that we were like boy wouldn't it be neat if i came back here and get got back involved with the business and um so that that was cool because i had the advantage of a couple of years left on my contract with the navy it gave me a, a really good opportunity to get my get my feet under me and um, you know, I finished up my MBA at that time and got some more culinary specific training and was able to come into the job uh, as prepared as you can be. I, you know, you can never really be fully prepared, but I was able to come into the job uh, having prepared specifically for that for a couple of years, um, which I think is an advantage that a lot of people don't, don't have when you change jobs. You, sometimes you only know about it for a couple of days. So um, that was a real, a real blessing and a tremendous opportunity. But for me to be able to come back into the business um, it immediately felt right. You know, some days are, some days are more fun than others, just like anything, but, yes. uh, you know, once I was back into it, it, it clicked and this was, this was where I was meant to be. And it was like, I never left, you know, like I said, once it's in your blood, you can't escape. Yeah, no, you're right, man. It's, <clears throat> it, it, it's hard to get out of this industry. Yeah. It's a, such a fun industry to be in too. And you see people, uh, like yourself, multi-generations, and or people who just come in and have been here for 40 years i think i've 50 years for some of them you know those who can hang on that long so it's a it's a really great industry when you're in the navy what kind of planes did you fly um i flew primarily a, a big airplane called the e6 it's a um, communications plane based on a 707 so big big airplane lots of people on board um flying around letting uh letting people talk to the the submarines and control the strategic weapons that the uh, government has. So nothing, nothing overly glamorous. You know, generally we tried not to be upside down. It wasn't like, <laughs> I wasn't like a maverick. You know, if I was upside down yes. on that thing, I had some explaining to do, but, um, <laughs> but it was good. I, I, um, I worked with some really incredible people, yeah. uh, people who I'm still close with now and, and who I really count as mentors. And the cool thing about that uh, was that rather than coming directly into working with my family and in our business, you know, it's kind of in our, our echo chamber here and being able to leave and go and learn from other people other than my, my family and my parents and develop my own style and kind of live without a safety net, so to speak. Um, you know, it allowed me to come back here with it, with a different perspective. I think sometimes maybe my, my different perspective irritates the people around me, but for the most part, it seems to be working. 
Yeah, no, I love that. What are some of the things that you learned from being in the Navy? Um, well, I think uh, leadership was really emphasized heavily at, at all stages. I mean, it, it's in the military, you can't, if you have a group of three people, one of them is going to be elevated to be put in charge. You know, they, if, if, two, if two of those guys were in the Navy for two days and one guy was in for three days, well, now he's in charge. So at a very early uh, point in my career, I was put in charge of uh, people that were working maintenance on the airplanes and uh, fixing them. And the, uh, the, the interesting thing about that is that um, the folks that were doing that job had been doing that. Every single one of them had been doing it longer than I had. And I outranked all of them. That's the, that's the nature of being an officer in the military. Yeah. Um, and to, to include, I had this guy who was a chief petty officer who had been in the Navy for nearly 20 years. And like, you know, I'd been in the Navy since breakfast yesterday. Um, and, it, and it's a humbling thing. You feel like a fraud. Uh, and that, that, um, that imposter syndrome that uh, a lot of people talk about is, is very real. And I think recognizing that and learning how to be humble and say, you know, it's my role in this organization to uh, manage our team and manage the resources we have. Um, it doesn't mean I have to be the smartest one at, at turning a wrench. Um, and it, you know, it doesn't mean that I have to know the most about this organization, but, but my job is to manage this group and lead this group. And, um, when you go in with an attitude of, I know that you know more than me about this and I'm going to learn everything I can so that I can support you and move obstacles out of your way. Um, you know, I don't think I learned that lesson overnight, but I, but I did learn it. And it's an important lesson because to your point, um, this industry that we're in happens to be a fairly mature industry at the moment. And, um, so I don't meet people too often uh, that are uh, less experienced than I am. I think uh, most folks I meet in this business, and it's probably similar for you, are, are more experienced. And in order to be taken seriously and, and to be credible with these folks that you're trying to support, you know, they have to understand how much you value and respect what they do. So that, that was something that transferred directly over. Yeah. Uh, a really important lesson I learned is it's, it is possible and it is okay for you to be in a role where your job is to, is to uh, support and um, you know, manage a group, even if they are the technical experts that are, they can do a thing way better than you can. Does yeah, that make sense. It, no, that's very well said. And you're right that 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 skill set that you uh, describe definitely transfers straight over to the food service industry, especially in 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 the segment that we're part of is the the brokerage business. And you're right, most people that I'd say majority of our uh, manufacturer clients that we represent their representatives are definitely more experienced have been in the industry longer than i have and you know when you put together uh targets and plans and things like that you have to be able to speak and support them at a level that you know is congruent to uh, what their expectations are which is not easy to do and it takes a lot of i think it's it's a humbling experience there's always more that we can learn and uh you know and it's also asking for help from those around us who have been there and done that. Absolutely. Yeah, never be afraid to ask for help. For sure. So going back to when your family started the company back in 1912, I'm not a mathematician, but I think that would be 111 years? Uh, yeah, thereabouts. Wow. That's, that qualifies that is, you as a mathematician. <laughs> that yes. So <clears throat> what were they doing in 1912? How did, that, how did the business start? Yeah, so um, I don't know if you can see over my shoulder here, but there's a photo on the wall yeah. that is uh, in my office and my brother's office. 
And um, it's also, there's a life-size mural of it in the lobby of all of our offices, uh, wherever you go in our territory. And that picture is, uh, it was actually taken in 1925, but that is a photo of the meat store, People's Cash Market, that was uh, opened in 1912 in Lawrence, Massachusetts, not too far from where I'm sitting right now. And um, that was my family's first foray into the food business. And it wasn't, um, they, they, uh, they came here from Italy, my family, and they immigrated and they were looking for, they were all working in textile mills. That was uh, you know, a pretty common, pretty common thing around here for immigrants. And um, so my family was looking for a way to, to better themselves. They were in a situation where they weren't making a lot of money. The um, working conditions were dangerous. They worked six days a week and at it from a very early age. So um, the food business offered an, an opportunity um, for these guys to get first start working in the store and then get some ownership of the store. Uh, you know, and eventually my great great uncle owned the store, and that was that was our first uh, foray. But um, this meat shop was a, a corner market in Lawrence, Mass. That that was where people got their food from. So we actually have it printed on our business cards, and uh, like I said before, it's a very prominent image uh, for us. So we never forget. I can't walk into work and go to my desk without kind of looking and remembering where we came from. So that was the that was the first generation of my family in the food business, and then my my great grandfather uh, also worked in that store. And then as the um, supermarket concept started to take hold uh, and these, these neighborhood markets started to become less and less of a, uh, a factor, um, my great-grandfather and my grandfather were pretty involved in that. And my grandfather actually, uh, so he was the third generation and his name is Alatizio Sr. Um, he was uh, big in the wholesale side of the business. He actually ran a major distributor here um, in New England in the Boston area and um, retired from there back in the 90s. That was his first retirement. And then after a couple of, uh, couple of years of retirement, he came back in and was the president of a, a, a major manufacturer in this area as well. So he had been on both the uh, customer side of our business and on the client side of our business, believe it or not, uh, which was interesting. And uh, he has since retired, but he still hangs around and has so much great advice. Um, and he's an awesome sounding board for, for myself and my brother and my father as well. So then my father, Alatizio Sr. Uh, started our business in 1988. And it's actually interesting. His story is similar to mine. He was, he was not going to be in the food business either. He, um, he went to school for uh, clinical psychology. And, um, and my mother went to school for uh, special education. So the two of them had their, their ideas in mind of what their careers were going to be. And uh, people, people facing, people serving careers. My father had worked for uh, some of the various businesses that my family had and that my grandfather was running. So he had an expertise in the food business, but didn't really think it was his thing either. And then, um, you know, uh, outside of college ended up before he went on to uh, to become a doctor of psychology, he, he decided to work in the food industry for a little while, worked for another broker. And uh, after a couple of years decided, boy, I think I can I think I can do a pretty good job of this myself. And he struck out on his own with my mother. And uh, that was 1988, and here we are, uh, just about to celebrate our 35th anniversary as a business here in, uh, in just a few months. So he he was another one who thought he was going to do something different, and and here we are. Thank goodness he didn't. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Are there any brands from 19 from when you first started that you still represent today, or any ones that you've represented over 30 years? Um, yeah, we have a few manufacturers that we've yeah. worked with for for quite a quite a long time. Some of the some of the core ownership of the companies have um, changed, or brand names have changed. But there are two or three manufacturers that have been with us for uh, just kind of since day one, which is which is pretty neat. Yeah, isn't that um, cool? And we, 
we have a pretty special relationship with them. Um, and, but we have quite a few manufacturers that we've been with for 20 plus years, um, w- which is really neat. I think it took us a few years to get our feet under us and figure out what the business was going to be. I say we, I was, uh, I won't say how old I was, but I was not old. <laughs> uh, but we, the Royal We, uh, you know, we, we started out as a, um, as like a partial New England deli broker in serving the retail industry. And then it was, maybe it was going to be all of New England. And it used to be that you say all of New England, like that was a calling card. Like I can do all six states here. And then, you know, and then it was multiple departments in the retail business. We started in the retail side of things. And then uh, by 1996, we expanded into food service, um, doing New England for food service. And um, so there have been more expansions along the way. But as we started to round out that, you know, who is it that we're going to be and what are we going to do? That's when we really formed some of those long-term relationships that have, uh, have stuck around here. So currently today, you still you do obviously food service and then retail uh, still as well. That's correct. Yeah, our business is uh, about sixty percent retail and forty percent food service. Okay. Um, and I am specifically food service. My brother Nick actually runs the uh, the retail side of our business, and yeah. same thing. He he left the uh, he left the family business, went off to uh, do his own thing. And uh, and learned a ton and came back after four or five years and, and is now running the retail side of our business with another gentleman, Mark. Uh, and uh, so that makes up about 60% of what we do mm-hmm. and uh, 40% of it is food service. And that, that falls under um, the umbrella that, that I'm accountable for. And, um, and that's, our, that's kind of our split. I'm sure during uh, 2020 in the pandemic and even 2021, that that 60-40 split might have been more maybe 70-30 or 80-20. Uh, yeah. Towards retail. Yeah, it was um, it was a really good time to be a diversified company. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely say that. You know, and that's a testament to uh, my my parents' vision. They worked really hard over the years to um, build a company that could withstand a storm. And we've been through other things, uh, just like every business has. You know, things things happen. Clients come and go. Things that are outside of your control. Customer right. consolidation, whatever it is. Um, and what we have learned over the years is. We've just learned to uh, to make change our friend and find ways to have turmoil become an advantage for us. But yeah, um, yeah during COVID, it was definitely definitely challenging. The, the um, retail side of our business thrived uh, as people have to eat. That's the wonderful thing about our, our business. Um, they're not going to stop eating. So it just might change where they eat. So the, the retail side of our business thrived and the food service side of our business uh, definitely struggled like everybody did. Mm-hmm. And um but the the really cool thing about our team being diverse and our, our um, you know our our portfolio being so varied is um, pretty early on in the pandemic. My parents uh, came and addressed the food service team and said, "Listen, uh, just want you all to know, you have a home here. There's there's nothing to worry about. We've we've got your backs. You've got our backs, and and you're not going anywhere." And so we were able to keep our team, you know, at full strength the whole time. Uh, and not everybody was able to do that. And I certainly don't have any. Um, yeah. judgment on on companies that couldn't do that. I'm just very thankful that we were in a position that we could because of our, uh, you know, our, our different kind of a setup. Sure. Um, and so we had to find different ways to become busy, you know, d- different, uh, go volunteer in the community, go help the retail team, go find different ways to sell, go sell hand sanitizer. I think we all became hand sanitizer experts at, at oh one my point, gosh. right? Yes. I, uh, uh, that was crazy. <laughs> so, you know, so, it, but it was, it was a cool thing because it, it really allowed us to, um, we learned a lot about who we were and our team learned a lot about who we were. And I think making it through that experience together really was a, was a, a foundational thing for us, even though here we were 30 years or plus into our right. business at that point. 
you know, that was kind of a capstone moment for us, being able to make it through that together. You know, if you can make it through a storm together, you, your team has some some bonds that can't be broken. Oh, absolutely. Um, how many Letizios are in the business today? Well, we have, I guess, I guess four of us. My uh, so my father Al is our president and CEO. He runs the day to day operations. Um, very involved in all of our uh, merger and acquisition type opportunities. As he likes to put it, he's trying to build the highway as fast as he can because we're driving down it right behind him. So. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, he's does a lot of our real estate projects and, and finding places where we can put our office locations. And then I, I am responsible for food service. Like I mentioned, my brother, Nick responsible for retail along with another gentleman. And then my mother, Patty is our, um, she handles all of our compensation and benefits administration. So basically you ended up with the, um, the, uh, clinical psychology student and the special <laughs> needs teacher, uh, thank goodness, having the right skill set to support all of us crazy, uh, food service sales folks. Yeah, no kidding. No. And what is the, you know, you hear all the time family dynamics. It's it either works really well or it doesn't really work at all. What is What makes your fam, family dynamic uh, special and unique? Uh, well, I think, I think the cool thing about it is that we haven't gotten to a point where something that happens during the week keeps us from being able to enjoy being together outside of work. And I think I have heard of other family businesses that that's not the case. And it makes me feel sad. Uh, you know, I, I feel truly blessed that I get to come to work and I sit 10 feet away from my brother and two doors down from my father. And we enjoy talking to each other. We sometimes disagree on things, but, you know, at the end of the day, we can uh, we can go have dinner together at one of our houses or go hang around with the grandkids at, at my mom's pool. And and, you know, unfortunately, for better or for worse, we still probably end up talking about work more than we should when we're the, when we're uh, when we're outside of work. But the thing is, it's probably similar for for you and your dad. I mean, this is the stuff that gets us excited. So I'm excited to talk. It's not like I'm talking about work because I'm like, oh, you know, I got to go pull the lever a hundred more times and make the widget. Like I'm excited because I'm tackling these challenges and these problems and these opportunities that are something different every day. And, you know, I, I, I get to share that experience with my, with my family. It's a, it's a cool thing. Yeah. No, I, I could definitely relate to that, you know, with my dad and I obviously uh, being in business together. And then even his brother, my uncle, worked for RW Zant, which was a, a protein redistributor here in Los Angeles. And he since has left there and purchased a meat market. And so we, you know, when it comes to holidays uh, together, my wife's always like, can you stop talking about food and, and business? I'm like, it's just so exciting. I, no. I love it. <laughs> You know, we I know we're just selling food. It. I know it, it's hard. It's hard, and it's fun. Even like when I go to a restaurant, I look at, oh, what's what what uh, condiments do they have out? What who, what sugar packets do they have on the table? I look underneath the plate to see what yep. brand it is. Like you just, it's it's quirky, but it's just part of yeah. It's in our blood. Yeah, my wife has asked me a number of times. Do you really have to ask the server if they made that in house, or you know, if they're buying that somewhere? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I have to. I can't help myself. Yes, I know the amount of times that I go up to order at a counter, or I ask the the waiter or waitress, uh, you know, what brand of cheese is this, or what brand of meat, or whatever it may be, and a lot of times they're like, "Oh, I can't tell you what it is," but I'm just so curious as to yeah. you know what they're using, especially if it's if I really like it. I'm curious right. if it's stuff that we represent. Yeah, it definitely definitely makes it a little more fun when you uh, know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I'm definitely somebody who likes to see what see the sausage get made. 
You know, they say, yes. there's the saying, you don't want to see the sausage gets made. I want to see the sausage get made. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've been into uh, uh, meat processing plants and uh, other types of food service manufacturers uh, and see how products are made. It, it Again, it's, it's a fun industry and, and, and it's when it's in your blood, it's in your blood and it's hard to get rid of it. That's for sure. When your dad first started the company back in 1988, uh, you mentioned the New England states. Did he just cover one state to start or how did that look back then? Well, a lot of the retail business is driven by the territory of the, um, the store chains that you work okay. with. Okay. So where, uh, where in food service, if I'm speaking with a manufacturer, I might talk about a particular um, territory based on a given geography, whether it's a state or a group of states or something like that. So I might say upstate New York and that have that be considered a territory. On the retail side, it, oftentimes it's delineated more by the, the store banner that you, that you work with. So for example, you have Price Chopper on one side of the state and, uh, and Tops and Wegmans on another side of the state in upstate New York. And that's, I don't want to get too deep into retail because I'll rapidly not know what I'm talking about, but, um, <laughs> but you could very well work in only one portion of a state or one portion of a geography on uh, in the retail world if if your territory coverage is is assigned to that uh, that retailer the flip side of it is every time a retailer opens up a new store your territory grows a little bit so it's kind of nice yeah um but no initially we were just a portion of new england basically the uh and most of the population of new england is centered around the boston area and into connecticut so we were mostly in that area and then um you know grew to cover the six new england states and, and the rest of that territory and, and actually now the retail side of our business goes um from uh, Maine all the way down to Florida and then wow. West as far as uh, Michigan at this point. So nice. um, a little, gone a little further than Massachusetts now. Yeah, no kidding. It, in food service, you have the New England states. Do you have other states outside of those six? We do. We actually cover food service from Virginia through Maine. So we have that oh. broken into five, uh, five sub-geographies, basically New England, yeah. upstate New York, metro New York, um, the eastern PA area, and then the mid-Atlantic or Maryland, Virginia area. When you enter into a new market, have you traditionally, has it been organically, you know, hire somebody to start out there or do you uh, do mergers and acquisitions? How's, how do you usually do that? Yeah, we've done it both ways. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes it's precipitated by a client, usually somebody we've been working with who, who we've got a long-term relationship with and they trust us and they say, hey, I've, I've got a need here. I suspect maybe others might as well and maybe you should consider doing what you do in, in a bigger area. Um, sometimes it's a matter of we get introduced or we're friends with another broker or a sales agency. And um, when the time comes that they are starting to think about retirement, if they don't have a succession plan in mind or something, right. you know, that, that becomes an opportunity. That's actually been a pretty cool thing because we've had a, a handful of um, acquisitions or mergers that have, have gone great. And you know they go great because um, you fold their organization in, they stick around for a little while as long as they want to. And you know, when they're ready to ride off into the sunset, they stay as your friend and, and you're really a family member at that point. And, you know, you still keep in touch. And that's how you know that that worked right. And um, what we like to tell them is like, it's not the end of their story. It's just kind of turning the page to a new chapter. So that that's the acquisition side of it. And that's, that's cool because it's turnkey. It's like day one, you have a staff and you have an office and you have clients and, and it works really well. But it also comes with its own challenges because when you combine two organizations, you have two different cultures that you have to try to meld. That's right. Um, the the other way we've done it, the organic way, is like you said. You know, you have a, a a client or something that says, "I'd like you to work here for me," and it comes with X amount of dollars. And what can you do with that? And you start looking. Okay, so 
well, if I hire two or three people to get started with, then I can start convincing some other folks to come together. And it, it's really fun. It's really exciting because it's very entrepreneurial. Yes. Uh, because you are really building, you're, you're building a new P&L. And when you do it, you know, it helps to be supported by an organization. Obviously, when we move into a new market, we have the support of the greater AJ Letizio organization. So it's not like we're striking out on our own and we have to be profitable on day one. But really, there's an expectation that we're not going to be operating at a loss uh, for very long, if, if at all. So it gives you a chance to really try to build a business unit that could sustain itself on its own. You know, obviously, thankfully, we have the support of the greater organization who don't have to do that. But, um, but it's, a, it's a really fun challenge. It's a fun thing to work on. And the cool thing about that is when you do it organically and you go out and recruit people, you have the opportunity to go and, and um, kind of cherry pick. And yeah. so the people that you, that you work with um, oftentimes are, are some of the best people out there in the industry. And whether, they're, whether they've had an experience that didn't work out for them or they just weren't quite the right fit at the organization they were at, you know, or the, or the organization wasn't the right fit for them, I should say, um, you know, if you can get some of these folks to make the decision and take a chance on you, it, it's, there's definitely an element of trust. It's almost like a marriage, but you get people to decide I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to uproot my career and my family's livelihood and come work with you. And, and um, you know, they put a lot of trust in our organization to, to have their back. And, but it, it's worked out really well. And some of, the, some of the really best folks I've ever worked with in any organization have been, have been some of these folks that I never met before. But somebody said, hey, you should really go talk to this person. And the next thing you know, it's like, wow, I feel like I've known you all my life. And, you know, when yeah. can we start working together? So um, both, both ways, organic and acquisition are, are, are awesome. They come with advantages and challenges. Um, I don't have a, a favorite way. I think, I don't think it's gone any better or worse. Uh, it's just been timing, you know, what's, what's worked out for us each time. Yeah, we've had uh, very similar, you know, it's, it's really what the opportunities presented in front of you and, uh, you know, reviewing that. And you're right. When you purchase another broker, uh, and I can only speak to the food service broker side, it's kind of, we have a unique business and is it, you know, is it attractive to like a, a hedge fund or some large bank or it, it's really a, the other brokers in our industry that it's attractive to, you know, we understand it and how it all works and managing the brands. And uh, it's kind of very unique. And in the past, when we've taken over other brokers as well, you're right, the, the cultural uh, fit is, is really the hardest piece. And we find that sometimes certain employees have different one-off deals that you have to kind of streamline and they're used to doing it a certain way because they've done it forever th that way. You know, it's, it has its own challenges, uh, but it's fun too. It is fun, especially when it clicks and it works. And sometimes it takes a while to get that, the, the whole process to mesh. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you said it. There's, there's all kinds of intricacies and some of them you don't find for a couple of years into it. Yeah. Uh, and then something pops up and, you know, I... I've had this thing on my mind for the last 24 months. Well, I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, let's address it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's a cool thing. And the really the cool thing about it too is some of these organizations that have come in and, and uh, joined us, even though they come with their own culture and their own setups and things that are different, they've been doing this a long time. And like you said, pe people that are not doing what we do don't totally get it. Even the people who yeah. get it don't really get it. You have to kind of be doing this to totally understand what we do and... and, and um, and know all of the the intricacies of it, and so getting to know people that were your competitors that you stared at across the uh, aisle at the food show, and you know you said hello and you're cordial, but yeah. but really you wanted to you know you wanted to eat their lunch and they wanted to eat your lunch. Um, <laughs> you know you can be friendly competitors, but at the end of the day you're still competitors. 
But all of a sudden, going from this mode of competing to uh, to collaborating, it's just it's such a cool experience because That's right. there's so much to learn, and they've gone through some of the same trials and tribulations that we've gone through, and handled them differently, and learned different things, and you know we have things organizationally, uh, institutional knowledge that we share with them that that blows their minds, and they have the same that totally blows our minds. And what we always find, and I don't know why it still surprises me, but I always find that. I can't believe how much I have in common with these guys that were my competitors, you know, and yeah. and um, and again, back to the thing I said at the beginning about a, a level of humility and a level of experience. Like once again, I'm I'm involved with these deals that are coming together with people who are are thinking about um, you know transitioning their business that they've built for decades, and I know we all know in the room that they know way more about what we're talking about than I do, um, and my job is to try to find a way. To work within our organization to to bring these groups together and and just continue to support their team the way that I support our team and so uh, all back to that kind of humility thing and recognizing that these guys are truly like you want to use the word expert these guys are truly experts and uh, and there's so much to learn from them so yeah. e- even though they yesterday they were your competitor today like it's a, it's a little bit of uh, you know sit down and and uh, open your ears and see what you can learn totally. In the brokerage business, uh, for better or for worse, you know it, it, it's a good thing when it happens uh, when brands come your way, but it does happen where brands uh, exit as well. If you could think back on, because I'm sure there's been a, at least one brand that that in your time as, on the food service uh, brokerage side that you've lost, and it was a significant part of revenue. And maybe what was that experience like, and how did you overcome that uh, as a company? Uh, we've never, we've never lost a client. So no, just kidding. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say, wow, that is impressive. <laughs> no, um, listen, it, you're right. It does happen, and and yeah. um, sometimes when it happens, you have to, you have to see what uh, you have to, you have to do some soul searching and figure out. Yeah, a- am I wrong or are they wrong? And you know, if they're right, what can I learn from this and do better? Um, I think many of the many of the times that we've been through that, it doesn't happen very often. For, you know, thankfully. Um, we like to think we do a pretty good job and, and I think we're doing more in the adding column than the um, subtracting column these days, but, um, but it does happen. And oftentimes it's a, it's a cultural thing. I think you find that maybe the, the mission that they're on isn't quite the same as the mission that you're on and your way of going to market just may not be, maybe they hire somebody who, who's got a different vision and, you know, that person happens to think they're the smartest person in the world and their organization is bought into it. And sometimes that happens. People go a different way and, you know, you just wish them well and, and um, at least out loud, I guess. Yeah. No, but <laughs> you, you wish them well and you, you move on to the next thing. But what we have found is um, almost every time something like that has happened, a new door is opened up. And it's like, yeah. it's like you are able to take a quick step back and, and refocus a little bit. And you were so focused on this this challenge that you had in front of you that you were missing these other opportunities. And the next thing you know, your phone's ringing and somebody's saying, Hey, I heard you became available and you know, I'm really interested in what can we do? And, um, I, I can't think of a single time that we've had a manufacturer, uh, choose to part ways with us that it hasn't pretty much immediately turned over into something that was, was, uh, a growth opportunity for us. Yeah. So, but yes, it is a gut check. You know, it these is. are the things in our world, you know, thankfully, like nobody's jumping over the desk and punching me in the face here. Or like, you know, we're not we're not driving race cars or or uh, you know curing cancer. We're we're selling food in a box. Um, right. But those are the things that, as somebody who who manages a sales agency and uh, you know people count on, those are the things that I wouldn't say keep me up at night. But those are the things that I worry about and I work hard to avoid. So 
yeah. it is definitely a hard thing to to get through but you do have to process it quickly and take a step back and reassure the team and say hey what's the opportunity let's go see what's what's going to knock on our door next week that's going to totally change our world and you yeah. know usually it works out that way yeah no i uh one of the very first interviews i did on on the podcast was with dave lyons and dave lyons was the president of food sales west which was a large broker here in the west and he talked about his experience uh it was like in a year span and pepsi purchased brands that he represented like uh, quaker and tropicana he might have represented pepsi at the, at the same time they all went direct all at the same uh exact moment and he goes it was such a huge loss of revenue and you know having somebody experienced he was in a car with somebody when he got the call and they're like that's the brokerage business you know it comes and goes and uh he said he, you know he's able to keep everybody on board and they they weathered that storm and and got stronger because of it and eventually they rolled up into advantage waypoint and now waypoint but you know he had a very successful career in the food service brokerage industry and sometimes it's those setbacks that help us uh, propel forward in our career what is something that you know looking far into the future that you want to achieve that you've not yet achieved in the food service industry boy that's a tough one so i think um one of the things that i talk with my father and uh, other folks in the company about is trying to figure out what what is it that we want to do next uh like you said what's the thing that we haven't achieved that we'd like to yeah. when i when i took over this role we were in one of those markets that i described we were just a new england only food service um and i worked really hard to surround myself with people that were smarter than me and and uh, you know put get the right people on the bus and you can go anywhere you want to that's one of my favorite sayings and so we worked really hard to get the right people on the bus and uh opportunities fell into our fell into our uh i should say fell into our lap but uh, you know opportunities came up we were able to seize them and you know so the next thing you know we're in two markets we expanded into upstate new york and i thought to myself well boy we're going to be the solution now we're in two markets and everybody's going to just come running to us and <laughs> all they said was well how come you're not in metro new york if you're in these two markets yeah okay so now we need to be in metro and we you know a couple of years down the road now we're in metro and and then the next thing people say is, well, if you did, if you did these three markets, why didn't you just do the whole Northeast? Like, right. okay, when will you be happy? But right. so we did, we expanded into the Northeast and, and, um, you know, now questions I get are, are, uh, you know, geographically, which direction are you going next? What other markets do you want to do? And sure. I, I have, I, I don't have the answer to that. It's interesting. Um, I've tried to put my finger on what, what would be the goal, but the thing is, I just don't know. We've gone after these opportunities when they've when they've come up at the right time, and we've seized them. And that's the cool thing about um, you know learning from my father and his entrepreneurial spirit and his kind of boldness out there is that when something comes up, we're going to grab it and we're going to we're going to ride that horse as best we can and hopefully not get thrown off of it. And you know we don't always do everything perfectly, but we but we're willing to take some risks and work real hard at it. Yeah. So. I don't have this grand vision of being a national company or half the country or any any particular geographic reach. You know, I wonder sometimes what are the other spaces that are kind of adjacent to our industry that that um, that might be interesting to to get involved in. Uh, yeah. Maybe more in the technology side of things with some of the point of sale stuff out there. Uh, maybe on the beverage side. I mean, if you think about it, there are a lot of things that are going into these operators that are completely outside of our sphere of influence, even though they have the yeah. same customer. And ultimately, if you go to eat at that restaurant, you're gonna you're gonna access all of these things. But but we're only involved in a piece of it. So sometimes I wonder whether our expansion will be one more of of depth than it will be a breadth. I I don't I don't really know. But I know that 
you know, my dad is a saying, if you're, if you're green, you're growing. And if you're ripe, you're rotten. So our kind of mandate is keep growing. You know, we're going to, we're going to keep growing. We're, we've been experiencing double digit growth for the past uh, handful of years here in a, in a relatively mature stage of our business. So the mandate is to grow and you know, what's that, what that's going to look like. I'm not sure, but that's the job. Sure. I love that. Yeah. We just uh, recently moved into Hawaii and oh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Do you need me to go out there and support you? <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Come on out. And you know, it's, it's not like doing business here on the mainland. It's uniquely different. I mean, you have, we've, we've got Cisco out there, which is similar to, you know, they're everywhere, but uh, the distribution channels are different and the way that they do business there is different. And even, you know, versus California, Northern Cal or Southern Cal or, or Las Vegas, you know, there's, there's just different ways of doing business. And I found that when we go to another market, it's learning the population there and how they work. And uh, it's a puzzle. You know, you got to make sure you put the pieces in the right place. That's pretty cool to uh, to be able to have a new puzzle like that. Because totally. even though it's similar, I'm sure it's just different enough that it's uh, definitely takes some extra thinking. That's really neat. That's right. If you were to give advice to uh, your, your, your younger self before you get into the Navy um, and before you uh, join with your family here on the food service brokerage side, what advice would you give yourself? I think I would give myself the advice of trying to uh, listen more and speak less. Yeah. And I don't know if I would be capable of doing that. I know right now I should do that and I'm not really capable of it, but uh, I'm in sales. So that's what I do. I talk. No, I, I learned a lot of those lessons. Uh, some of the stuff that I referenced earlier about le lessons in leadership the hard way. You know, I learned by being a less effective leader and then over time becoming more effective and you know, I still learn lessons every single day and I know I've got a long way to go on my personal journey to being the, you know, the, the leader that I would like to be, but, but I certainly know more about it today than I did back, back then. You know, I, I, I think that if I would have uh, opened up my ears and my perspective to learn from those around me who had been doing it a little bit uh, earlier, I think that that would have been a really valuable thing. And, and I don't think most people would disagree with that. I, you know, I don't, I'm not totally embarrassed about, about anything from back in those days, but definitely, um, you know, maybe a little bit overconfident at that point. Sure. Well, Adam, thank you so much for, you know, taking time out of your day to meet with me and share your story and your family's story. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. And I was looking forward to this, uh, to learn more about yourself. And, you know, because we see each other ever so often at different uh, trade shows or food shows or, you know, uh, client meetings uh, that we share. So thank you so much. Yeah, it was, it was my pleasure, Nick. Absolutely. I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, a lot of the relationships that we have in common in the industry, people are always telling me you need to be doing more with Portillo. They're, they're, uh, yeah. you know, they're kind of the uh, analog to you guys on the opposite coast. And I get so it all the time. The more we, the more we can collaborate and, and uh, spend time together, I think it's, it's definitely a great thing. So I really appreciate the invitation and the honor of being included in the podcast. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Of course. Thanks so much, man. All right. Take care.